Welcome to the Modern Homesteading Podcast. We have allowed ourselves to become so disconnected and ignorant about something that is as intimate as the food that we eat. Be prepared to grow your own for victory. God said I need somebody strong enough to clear trees and heave bales, yet gentle enough to yean lambs and wean pigs and tend the pink foamed pullets who will stop his mower for an hour to splint the broken leg of a meadow lark. So God made a farmer. Hello and welcome to the Modern Homesteading Podcast. I'm your host, Harold Thornbrough, and glad you're joining me again today. This is April 25th, 2020, and this is episode 138. And we got a great one today for you folks. Uh, I'm joined today by Sean and Rachel Reeves, they're homesteaders over in Virginia, and you're going to just love this conversation we had. We had a lot of fun chatting, and I know you're going to enjoy it. But before we jump into that, what's going on around here? Well, nearly got everything planted. I jumped the gun a little bit, but I looked at the, you know, our, our last frost date is generally two, three weeks out. I looked at the 15-day forecast. We're looking pretty good. I don't think we got any frost or freezings in the next, you know, two to three weeks, uh, in the next couple weeks anyway. So uh, I just went ahead and got the tomatoes out in the ground. I got the peppers out in the ground. I hope it don't come back and bite me, but... Right now, it's looking pretty good, and I think they're going to do a lot better out there. I mean, things always like it when they're, you know, kind of put in the ground versus growing in containers in a greenhouse or whatever. So I was happy to get all that stuff out. I planted a lot of things yesterday, actually, and uh, just thought it was time. You know, I'm going to, like I say, try to get a couple-week jump on it this year, and I have some row cover to protect them if something is coming in. But, you know, I think we're I think we're pretty good. So I wanted to get that done. I also have been, uh, I took a bunch of uh, tree cuttings and bush cuttings uh, this year and been trying to, to root them. And uh, that's looking pretty good. I have some um, uh, apple tree and some pear tree and some currants and elderberry. And I had all that stuff just in pots and trying to root it. And I pulled a, a couple of each uh, yesterday and looked at them and they all have some roots on them and they're leafing already and things are looking really good. So I think those are going to go really, really well. So I think I'm going to be able to expand the uh, the fruit trees and uh, and the berries uh, this year um, later in the year I'll probably wait a couple months yet before I try to plant them or I might even uh, wait until they're dormant and or this fall and try to plant them so um, I'll wait till we got some mild weather and then I'll, I'll try to plant them in the ground but I want them to get good and rooted before I do that um, also I just started the uh, comfrey sales back up a few people have been asking me if I was going to sell comfrey uh, crowns and uh, the crown splits and the uh, the uh, root cuttings this year, and uh, I had planned on it, and uh, I was just kind of waiting for the uh, the comfrey plants to get good and established, and you know, kind of growing up big this year, so you don't really hurt them when you kind of dig them up and separate them and all that. And they were looking really, really good, so I decided a couple days ago it was time, and I already shipped out the the first order today, the first batch of orders today. So um, one thing about that though, if you're on that list of the first people to get them. I actually forgot. I usually put like some planting instructions in with the uh, the package, and and I forgot to do that on the first batch that went out today. So the instructions are on the website where you purchased the uh, the comfrey. There's also the instructions there, where, right with the part where you went and, and bought. So you can look at that from here on out. I'll make sure I get the uh, the paper in there that has the planting instructions. It's pretty pretty easy. I mean, it's a couple inches deep, you know. And if you're doing the crowns instead of the cuttings. 
um, you know, you just make sure you plant them down to where the uh, the green part is sticking right at the ground level. It's pretty easy, but just in case you, you need more information, you can contact me or look at the website. So I thought I'd just throw that out there. Um, but yeah, I got that first batch out today. And also, if you're a Patreon member, if you're following me on Patreon and you're uh, supporting the podcast there, the members there have a, uh, a a discount code, a coupon code for 20% off on the country on the on the uh, Comfrey sales. So that right there could possibly pay for a month of the uh, the Patreon support uh, back to you. So uh, if you want to use that, it's in there. There's a coupon code. You can plug that in as you're checking out and uh, get you a nice little discount on your Comfrey. Um, plus, you get an extra podcast. Oh, by the way, I did. I just uh, those who are on Patreon, um, I just loaded a uh, uh, members a, a Patreon only podcast up just about oh, I think three days ago, two or three days ago up there. So you can go check that out. It's on organic methods for uh, pest control in your garden. So that was a, I think it's a, uh, it's something I'm dealing a lot with right now. You know, these last couple of years, I've really been focusing on on methods to try to reduce some of the, the pest pressure because I went a long time without any, and then we started having quite a bit. So I've been trying to really knock that down through some organic methods. So you can go check out that podcast if you're a Patreon member. Um, well, with all that said, folks, I, I think we'll just jump right into this uh, this uh, conversation I had with uh, Sean and Rachel. I think you're really going to enjoy it. So let's head on over to that. I'm joined today by Sean and Rachel Reeves. Uh, they, uh, they're homesteaders in, where are you at now? You're in North Carolina? No, Northern Virginia. Northern Virginia. I don't know why I was thinking North Carolina. Northern Virginia. <laughs> okay. That, that's a great area. I love that area. Um, yep. but I'm joined by them today on the podcast. They're going to tell us a little bit about their story and, and I found it a little bit fascinating. I connected, uh, with them on, uh, Instagram and, uh, just heard a little bit about, uh, the big move they made and all that a, a while back. It's been a little while. And, uh, yeah, I'm just dying to hear more about that. So welcome to the Modern Homesteading Podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Well, it's a, it's a pleasure. And, uh, yeah, what about this story? You guys, uh, you guys made a really big move in getting into homesteading, didn't you? Yeah, it was quite a change for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, well, yeah, what, ago, first, we moved from, uh, Southern California, the Southern Long Beach California. area. You say Long, I'm sorry. Did you say Long Beach area? Yeah, Long Beach, California. Okay, yeah. So close to about probably, I'd say, what, a half hour with no traffic on 405 from L.A.? <laughs> wow. Which is far. Yeah, so probably about an hour from downtown, downtown. L.A. with yeah. traffic on the 405. <laughs> now, before we get into the kind of the move, were you guys homesteading out there? No. No. <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> not. Not even like a little backyard garden or anything? No. no. <laughs> wow, so you really jumped into it. <laughs> yep. So we were both born and raised in Southern California, actually in that area, uh, and not even remotely close to homesteading, any type of farm work, any type of actual real hard uh, labor like that at all. None. Mm. Wow. <laughs> so why the sudden interest in it? Yeah. <laughs> well, it was one of those things where, so we, we have three girls and, uh -huh. and we homeschool and Rachel does a great job at, at homeschooling them. And it was one of those things where the world just seemed to close in around us. Mm -hmm. It felt like everything was piling on and getting closer, closer and closer to us. And we just felt like we needed to, to have some space, have some more, more opportunity to, to spread our wings and just really experience life a different way. And we, 
started talking about it. It took about two years to really, well, Rachel was way ahead of me, way, way ahead of me. Um, I, I, I never thought I would ever leave, uh, Southern California. I never thought I would ever leave the beaches. I was a, uh, you know, one of those types of kids that grew up going to the beach all summer I was a beach bum. Um, I could never imagine living anywhere else. And, you know, she put that little seed in there and, and after some, some long conversations and some heartful prayers, it, it, it changed to me, and I was like, I need to get out of this place. I'm not really sure why, but I feel like the world's closing in around me. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So, <laughs> Rachel, what, what made you uh, start – what planted that seed with you? What made you want it? Um, I think just being with the girls um, all the time and feeling uh, somewhat limited with um, what I could teach them mm-hmm. um, and kind of mm-hmm. – uh, not just necessarily expose them to, I suppose I felt a little limited in what I could sp- expose them to not necessarily nature wise, because we did have in California access to so many beautiful spots where they could be in nature. Um, but everything was, I mean, you, you did need to be willing to drive, you know, you had to drive your 30 to 45 minutes to be seen and being immersed in nature. So I wanted that to be a little bit more accessible. I think, it was just so many different things. Um, you know, city life is different. It's, mm-hmm. um, you're limited with your exposure to certain types of lifestyle. And, um, while there's definitely diversity, there's also, uh, certain limiting factors. Um, you're only exposed to certain types of diversity. And so I wanted, the girls to see that there are other ways of living and living day to day. I wanted them to be exposed to, um, to nature all around them on a daily basis. I also wanted them to see that, um, there's ways of, um, working that aren't just going to a job, a nine to five at an office every day. I wanted them to, understand responsibility from a young age. There was just so many things and it was from books and just from things I'd read. I thought, you know, um, there are other ways that we can kind of mold and shape their ideas of entrepreneurship and things that they might never be exposed to living in the city in, you know, suburbia with, you know, homes right next to each other. And, um, I don't know, it started a couple of years ago and I just started thinking about it and thinking, what would it be like if we had space and we had land and we can learn ourselves and teach them, you know, some different options so that they kind of have this wide array of ideas in their mind of, of things that are, you know, different ways that people live in, in our country, you know, and, I don't know. So we started talking about it and um, we started, it, it didn't start like talking about necessarily homesteading. It just talked about maybe getting out of the big city where you're, um, you're kind of conditioned um, a little bit and to do certain things, go certain places, think certain ways. So we started thinking a little bit broader than that. Like what if we had land? Yeah. Okay. What, what would we do if we had land and where would we go and what kind of opportunities could we provide our kids? And the more we started thinking about it, the more we started feeling like, wow, there are so many options in our country for that, you know, not just in the place where we started from. So, 
Yeah, I just had this image in my head, you know, just you guys selling everything, throwing some coveralls on and jumping in the car <laughs> and heading across the country and just, you know, planting yeah, steak and saying, right here we go. Let's do this. <laughs> yeah, we were, we were, we were teased by a lot of people when we first decided to move that we seemed a little bit like that show Green Acres. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much like the LA people, you know, kind of mm-hmm. like that hipster, mm-hmm. you know, the, the kids going out on the weekends eating ramen every weekend. And then all of a sudden we go to a farm and that, Kind of is a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> like we're, what happened? We're, we're definitely way different now. And, and you say coveralls, and it's like I just got out. He of just mine. got out of his coveralls. And, and those are the best things I've ever, <laughs> I've ever owned in my life. I, I, I can't believe that I haven't worn those all my life. Yeah, <laughs> so way told, to go, isn't it? <laughs> well, and I told him we might be doing a video. I didn't know if it was going to be video or just audio. And I said, look, if we're going to be on a video, you need to change out of your work overalls and you need to shower. <laughs> Yeah, I'm with him. Why? I mean, you know, it's the full package. You got to have it all. If you're going to get on video too, it just doesn't matter. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> well, so, so how long ago was this that you guys uh, made the move or made the decision? So the decision was actually two, almost two years ago, a little, little, little over two years ago, yeah. the decision was yeah. made and we actually made the move almost two years ago. So mm-hmm. June. June will mark our two-year anniversary on here. So you didn't waste any time. I mean, you guys decided this, and you put it into action pretty fast. I, I'm telling you, that was probably the fastest decision we ever made. We yeah. started looking in March, and we were we were out here in June. No, we started looking in, like, February, right? No, no, no. No, we started looking March, in March. March. Around March 12th was the and time. And then we were out yeah, of California we were... on a plane to Virginia in June. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> and, and did it take you long to shop around and find a place? I mean, you landed on a place pretty quick. It's funny. One of those things. It's one of those things where we we just we were looking and it, and it was it's work related. So uh, I, I have I work for a job that has uh, headquarters is in El Segundo, California, mm-hmm. and it's got secondary headquarters out here in Chantilly, Virginia. So it was one of those conversations we had in the kitchen, going, "Well, we could always do Virginia," and so we went on Zillow that day. And started looking at houses, and and one of the houses Rachel first saw was the house we actually ended up buying. Even after we searched hmm. hundreds of houses, we came out here and looked at thirteen different. I would yeah. think we visited thirteen different well. houses. Uh, we actually ended up buying the first one she saw. And when when she pulled this house up, because we you know the search engine has their little or the filters has their have their little things, and we're like we want at least five acres of land type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, Which is so arbitrary because we, we didn't know what that we meant. knew nothing what that. Meant. <laughs> I, we were coming from a mindset. I remember us even I telling. To, I had to Google what an, what acre, an acre was. was. <laughs> we even told our real estate agent, or we've told people when we've come out here. You know, uh, they said, "Well, how big was your house in California?" And we say, "Oh, it was like twenty three hundred square feet." And they go, "Wait, what? Like what they don't your, even? Yeah, what was, what your, was lot your lot size? size?" And we say, like, "Oh, six thousand square, square feet." Like, and they <laughs> they go, "We don't. What is that?" You know, it was totally foreign to us what an acre was. Yeah. But I think we kind of looked at it like, "Look, if we're gonna." move all the way across the country to some kind of homesteading. We at least want like five we thought, acres. We thought five plus was big. I'll tell you what. Which is silly. One yeah, acre, silly now. One acre yeah. is big compared to what we had in That's yeah. true. <laughs> but out, coming out here, you know, the, the thought of five acres is it's, well, yeah, that's a good size. You know, people say that it's a good size. Where to us, it's like, that's just too much land. Yeah. <laughs> what are they going to do with all that? It's kind of one of the things that depends on what you're doing with it. Like five exactly. acres for, for some things is plenty and, and even a lot to take care of. But if you were raising cattle, it'd be nothing, right? right. Yeah. And once yeah. you get out here, too, it depends on who you meet because we'll meet people from 
like the farming community and they'll ask like, Oh, well, how big is your, your property? <laughs> we'll say six acres. And they're like, Oh, that's cute. That's a, <laughs> like, you know, like, a city, like it's a city lot or something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, and for us, it was overwhelming when we got out it's, here. We thought, well, what are we going to do with six acres? That's humongous, you know. And honestly, it's still, it's it's still, still a little overwhelming. It's still a little yeah, big. We, we, we're barely touching any of the fence posts out there right yeah, now. Yeah, we're scratching yeah. the surface still. So, but Sean, now you, you just transferred in your job out to there? Yeah, I was able to make a, a smooth transition out here. So, so you're still working full time then and doing yeah. all this? Yes, yes, working yeah, full time. So. And it's kind of nice with the, I mean, the situation right now is, is difficult because we're all kind of forced, forced to work from home. But for me, it's, it's doubly difficult because I'm sitting here in the back room uh, with, yeah. looking outside going, man, I really wish I could be outside right now. Yeah. <laughs> Got to force yourself to sit at the desk. Yeah. yeah. Force myself to sit at the desk. Yeah. We want to change work, that one day. <laughs> yeah. We want to change that one day, but I do, I, I do work here at home in my overalls. So it's I, great. I can't beat that. So if there's yeah. a, ch- that runs down the street or the sheep get out or something, he can run out real quick in his overalls and take care of it, you know, which is yeah. what usually the girls and I are doing during the day when he's at work. So it's nice having him here. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about what you did jump into. So you came out there, you got, you say, a little over six acres mm-hmm. um, and, and you you started farming. What, what kind of things did you start doing? I think within the first month we got chickens. Yeah. So, chicks. <laughs> so just to put a little perspective around it, we didn't know what, what in the world to do. So we're taking advice from hundreds of different places. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Searching online, reading books. And, and I, it's funny thing is, is I was actually listening to you when we first got here and I didn't know that until, you know, Rachel uh, told me that we were going to be on this podcast <laughs> and she's like, Hey, I'm going to play you an episode. And I was listening to it and going, I listen, I listen to this, to this guy. All the time. I love this guy. It was hilarious. It was hilarious. <laughs> that uh, is funny. <laughs> uh, and I was telling her like different podcasts that I was listening to of yours that that uh, inspired me. Uh, definitely the rabbits, and then also you were growing this grass around a path to keep weeds from growing on the path. <laughs> oh, the, the comfrey, uh, or yeah, comfrey, yeah. that's plus. Yeah, and I'm like, <laughs> I was, yeah, th- these things stuck in my head. So I was trying to learn as much as possible. You have to understand <laughs> that someone like me, I, I, we didn't grow up with any farming background or any, obviously, any agricultural background at Zero. all. The first chick. I ever held chicken, chick, whatever bird I ever held was when I got here. Mm. So that's, that's where we started. And so we, we did start with chickens. We started with a lot of those. Yep. Um, we had uh Guinea fowl. We bought Guinea fowl and that was our first lesson in homesteading oh, to my. take, <laughs> don't jump into things that you don't understand and that you aren't, uh, familiar with or don't have someone around you helping you yeah. or giving you advice. So we've learned some big, big lessons. Lesson yeah. Right yeah. yeah, we, we some- <laughs> yeah, we had guinea fowl for, uh, I think one year when I was growing up and, and yeah. I can remember my dad thinking we are never getting those again. <laughs> they were the loudest <laughs> birds yeah, in the world. We, yeah. We definitely learned our lesson there. Big time. <laughs> they're, they're crazy. <laughs> yeah. They're nuts. They're weird, beautiful, bizarre, loud animals. Yeah, they're yeah. just like, or birds. They're just not, no. And, and some people absolutely love raising love them. them. Yeah. And those are the people we listened to, Bless they were, they said, Oh, you'll love them. They're great. They're easy. And then we got, how many did we get? 20. It was oh. awful. 20. I mean, that was the minimum order. It was, it was the at that order. time of the year. Yeah. I mean, yeah. who does that? <laughs> yeah. What's 20 birds. And then they just grew up. What, where what, are they? What did we do? Yeah. So that was a good first lesson that yep. we refer back to that so often when we're making decisions now 
um, two years into it, knowing more, having a little more wisdom, we still refer back to the guinea fowl lesson. Like, um, when we want to jump into something that's enticing or that someone down the road is doing or that a, a bigger homesteader is doing that we think looks exciting, we refer back to the guinea fowl lesson. You know, <laughs> the only thing good about those is a lot of predators really like them too. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. Oh, and that happened too. A couple, a couple of those guys were picked off real quick. Yeah, I don't know if that's pretend, but that, that it, it did work out well. For yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Well, so so chickens to guinea fowl. What was there any other birds you guys got into? Turkeys or anything like that? Ducks? Yet, not yet. We did. Oh. We have ducks. Yeah, we do have ducks. We do have ducks, and we love the ducks. They're ducks are e- wonderful. Yeah, they're easy. By far the dirtiest animals we have, for sure. Yeah, they're kind of gross. Yeah, they're, they, uh, <laughs> they make a huge mess, but they're really sweet. And we have six of those, and we have about, what, 12 chickens or so? We have, yeah, we have 12 left. And we, but, and we have six babies six we babies just got. Coming. So we have are about eight chickens. Do you just do egg layers, or do you raise meat yeah. chickens, too? Yeah. yeah. Oh, the, so the meat chickens are coming. Yeah. So I... I've always wanted to do it and I've been reading a lot about it and we're, we're actually doing, we're going to, we're going to build some tractors. Mm-hmm. We have the base for it. We're going to build some tractors. And so, um, any advice you have, obviously <laughs> we would <laughs> gladly take, but, uh, yeah, definitely going to do meat birds. We have wow. a paddock in the back that we're hoping to rotate them on, um, and get started within the next year on those because yeah. we just see the benefit of those and, mm-hmm. you know, especially with everything going on, I think that it's changing a lot of people's um, kind of mindsets about the importance of, you know, just, um, a local food source that you can trust people that, you know, and there's, there's people in the area that we've been buying, um, uh, we've been sourcing our, our meat from, uh, but it would be nice to be able to have our own and also mm-hmm. learn about, uh, processing our own meat and mm-hmm. raising our own meat chickens. We're excited about that. Yeah, all my advice for that, just kind of, I'll just point you in the way of Joel Salatin for all that. He is the master of that stuff. Video after video after video. We love him. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Nobody, he, he has, uh, he has uh, just moved an entire generation of of farmers into that area and, and, and and it's very successful. It's a great way to do it. And yeah, I imagine that's where you first probably even heard about tractor uh, uh, raising meat birds. And it's just, it's worked for so many people. I got to tell you, the week before we left, I, I will never forget. I was in a um, salon in Southern California getting a pedicure and a manicure, listening. <laughs> it was so funny. Listening to Joel Salatin's uh, Folks This Ain't Normal. And, you know, getting my nails done, getting my feet done right before we moved, listening to that book, sitting there and just thinking, wow, this is, it's so simple what he's saying and so common sense, but it was it's revolutionary for people who have never oh, yeah. ever considered their food source or considered just um, how kind of disconnected we are with um, everything. Yeah. And, and also specifically what we, eat. and um, I won't ever forget that moment. It was just a week before we left thinking, wow, right. this is really interesting. <laughs> I, I, I so hope you weren't using earbuds. I hope you were just playing it out loud. That's, <laughs> in my mind, that's perfect. <laughs> Oh, so LA of me. I probably was listening with you. <laughs> yeah, no, everyone need everyone does need to hear that message. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and they sadly they don't. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah, well that's that's great stuff. So that was that was a big inspiration for you guys then. Big time. It was and just yeah. all finding all all of a sudden taking a deep dive on social media and finding all of these people who have been doing it for, you know, 
forever were raised in it or who are newbies like us too. I think we found a lot of inspiration from people who, you know, within the last decade have started doing this and mm-hmm. either gave up city life and decided to try this or who, you know, are doing it with the means that they have available, the resources that they already have, you know, it doesn't have yeah. to be out on six acres. It can be really anywhere, but they're trying to be intentional. Mm-hmm. And that's been a big inspiration for us. And honestly, your, your podcast is, is one of those things. Yeah, absolutely. Keep, keep, keep doing going what you're doing. Yeah, for well, sure. Yeah. Appreciate that. And, and now you guys had a podcast for a little while, didn't you? <laughs> we did. We did, we did solid. Like what? I feel like it was for a it little was a, bit. It was a while. Yeah. It, it was a good amount of episodes. And then we just life just over. We, we tried to do it right when we got here because we wanted to document people were so interested in, in what we were doing and, and making that kind of jump and cutting the ties and getting what we had. And they wanted to know how we were doing, what we were doing and, and where we were going. And it was, we, we were so new to it too. And we, we jumped in the pool mm-hmm. at the deep end for sure with a lot of different things. And that's one of our recommendations, I think near the ends of, of where we, we slowed down the podcast and we'll get into it again, hopefully soon. But where we slowed down was just, we overwhelmed ourselves and, and what we realize now almost two years into this is that you've got to take things slow. You really have yeah, to be, yeah. you know what you do and understand what you do. Otherwise mm-hmm. you're going to, I mean, there's, I make mistakes every day with what I'm doing, but I'm trying. Mm-hmm. Right. But if you, if you, if you just throw so much onto your plate, it could become overwhelming yeah. real quick. And the podcast mm-hmm. kind of came that we got it was swallowed up by yeah, projects and, yeah swallowed up by ideas and dreams, which are all so good. But when you're homeschooling three kids and working a full-time job and trying to make things work on the homestead. Yeah. yeah, Mm -hmm. It was a lot, you know, it was a lot. You're you're talking to a guy who understands that, believe me. (laughs) I understand. (laughs) And and, and I never learn my lessons either. I always take on too much and then I have to back up and get all stressed out and then start over. And yeah, I've I've been there many times. (laughs) Definitely. Well, I'll just say put it on the record because I already told you guys, but I really liked your podcast. I went and listened to a couple episodes when you, you pointed me to it the other day, and oh, I went and found it. You just told me you were podcasting, and I went and found it, and uh, listened to a couple episodes. And I really hope you guys start back up at some point because it was really, really good. I, I enjoyed it a lot. Thank well, you. Yeah, well, now that's inspiring. Yeah, yeah I, that's we're recording I, okay, tonight. Wait. We'll go find the mic somewhere. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not kidding though. I mean, I listen, I listen to a lot of, I just listen to a lot of everything, a podcast and I watch a lot of videos and stuff. And honestly, it was, it's one of the best uh, podcasts I'd listen to on the subject. So I, I hope you start back up. I really do. If you don't, I understand because it's, it's, it's time consuming and I understand that. But it, really enjoyable. One of the things you said in one of your podcasts, you took you took a long break there, and you said, uh, mm-hmm. you know, that's just that's just a part of it. You know, take your breaks when you need to take your breaks. Come back in when you're ready to plug back in. There's yep. nothing wrong with yep. any of that, and that was actually really inspiring to us. That was good, yeah, absolutely. It's like it's life. Thing. <laughs> that's true. That's yep, true. yep. Absolutely. To, sometimes I have to take uh, breaks away from certain livestock and things. And then a few months later, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to get some more of those because I, I kind of miss them now. And sometimes you just have to take breaks away from things. Definitely. Yeah. Absolutely. So you you went down. Let's just jump back into the homesteading thing here a little bit with the animals you were raising. You did the, of course, you did the birds. Did you say something about rabbits, too? Did you do rabbits? No, we listened oh. to you when okay. you were talking about rabbits. And we've never been interested in rabbits, but you make us interested in rabbits. Very interesting. <laughs> they, well, I mean, you, you got to get, you know, past the cute, fluffy thing. It's That's probably the most difficult part of rabbits if you're going to use them for meat. Yes. But, yeah, yeah. If, if you can get past that, they're great. Yeah, uh, but I did hear you say I did hear you say sheep though. You do sheep, right? 
We do. Yeah. We do. Yeah. We have two sheep. They're actually going to get sheared tomorrow. <laughs> so this is our first time to, to, to see that happening. The girls are super excited to see what's going on there and then learning about what to do with the wool and what they're going to look like and all that fun stuff. Like it's, so you're, you're having it the, done or doing it? Uh, so the plan here is to have it done. So we mm-hmm. bought the sheep from a local um, farm. Farm. Yeah. yeah. We bought it from a local farm and he had a shearer. And he gave us the number, and I, I thought it may be best if I watch this first yeah. before I myself. So it goes back to the guinea fowl principle. Yeah, don't just it was, try and <laughs> yeah, don't try and do it. So, I, so instead of going out and buying the two hundred and fifty dollar pair of clippers, um, <laughs> we're going to have someone do it for us. So I can, and I'm going to sit there and just take detailed notes, and and then maybe next year that's that's my turn. You guys should write a book called The Guinea Fowl Principle and see how that goes over. <laughs> it sounds like it's, it's played a big part in your life. <laughs> And like we kind of take that into all kinds of different areas of our life. Yeah. <laughs> Especially when, when we started, like, I had no idea what a guinea fowl was. No, neither did <laughs> I. Heard of it. I gotta say, they're adorable chicks. They're really, really. They're ugly birds, though. They are. Yeah. Well, but some think well, they're beautiful. Okay, so that's my opinion. Yeah, that's yeah. your opinion. Sorry. Yeah. I, I hope I didn't. Don't offend anyone, the guinea fowl but... people. Oh, yeah. yeah. The guinea fowl people are gonna come looking for you guys now. You're in trouble. <laughs> out. <laughs> I'll back you. I'll back you up. I'm with you. They're not. They're not the best. They're just loud heck, and they'd come up on our patio, all mm-hmm. of them, and just squawk and yell and poop everywhere. Well, you have to understand that we we bought them because we were deathly afraid of ticks. Yeah. See, Californians when they come out here, I mean, that's the first question just... they ask us. They're like, "Well, what about ticks? What can we bring for ticks?" And now mm-hmm. we don't even think about it anymore. It's like, meh, whatever. I'm slightly embarrassed of myself. We were very nervous from two years ago. See, Californians moving yeah. to—I mean, we get <laughs> nervous about. That. We're not. I, I don't think it's just California. I think everybody, everybody that <laughs> grew up grew up in a town <laughs> is like that for sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, but we have the sheep and tomorrow they're they're big boys. They're we have two males and they're um the English uh, the the baby doll uh sheep and so they're just fluffy and round and enormous. They're and wonderful. They are. They're sweet sheep. They're, they're wonderful sheep. They've been the easiest really of all the the animals. Yeah, they 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 don't push they don't push fencing. They haven't escaped. Mm-hmm. They are really, really easy to manage. It, it, it's, they've just been wonderful to have. Yeah. What was the decision on, on choosing that as a livestock? <sighs> it well, was one of those things where we were looking to graduate into a larger animal. Mm-hmm. And uh, we made really good friends with the local farmer that was down the street. They own a farm stand off, off the highway. And uh, they had those. They, they ran out of space. They knew we were interested in larger animals. They reached out to us and said, hey, you guys want these? And uh, we said, absolutely. So it, it was one of those things where we weren't seeking the sheep out. The sheep found us. Yeah. Kind of fell in your lap. Yeah, that's good. Well, I mean, uh, sometimes the best things happen that way for sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And it's been nice because we, you know, getting familiar with a new animal and learning about them. And I think we'd like to get more. And it makes us, you know, never having exposure, like Sean said, to the larger animals, get familiar with that, what their needs are, how we can best take care of them and provide them the best, you know, life. It makes us more, you know, kind of open to the idea of other animals. You know, now we're thinking, all right, let's start learning about pigs or let's start Mm -hmm. learning about some sort of, you know, cattle. I don't know. But we're just, you know, we're open at this point because we're like, okay, we can manage this. Let's move on, you know, slow and yeah. steady. <laughs> so, so the 
purpose of them? Are you just going to use the wool for your own purposes? Are you selling it? What, what are you doing with that? Well, honestly, I I was open to getting them because I heard they were good lawnmowers. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, that's a good reason. <laughs> yeah, they weren't, they're not as good as I thought they'd be. Uh, so I have to cut the grass out there, but that's okay because honestly, I don't mind driving driving a zero turn around because it's I've never done that before. So you know, I I, I enjoy that. Um, but it's because they've been so wonderful. It's been one of those things where we look at them going. Mm. And the girls love them. So it's what's next out there. Yeah. Uh, they are the, great fertilizer. Yeah. Our grass yeah. and our that was, That's what I was going to say next. I mean, if nothing else, they're good for the garden. Yeah. Oh, yeah, our, our yeah. land is so bright green right now it was, because it was of them. It's three weeks amazing. ahead of everyone else because of them. Yeah. Uh-huh. So uh, yeah, they've done a great job at, mm-hmm. at making the grass grow and then eating it. Yeah. And uh, yeah, they're wonderful. So it's, it's kind of what it, what it was was a nice bridge to, the, it's a bridge to the unknown because like we don't know what we want to do next, but it was an easy segue into a larger animal. Yeah, definitely. And they stay away from our garden. They're just they're sweet. They're 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 really great. They've been a joy for yeah. sure. Yeah. But, but you think maybe pigs are on the horizon, huh? I think so. I think so. I think we're so. We're gonna do the meat it. birds first. We're gonna we're probably gonna pick your brain a little bit later about about the meat birds. <laughs> um, yeah. But but uh, yeah, because we we don't want to. One thing that we we do here is that we don't want to get an animal just to get an animal. We're not a we're not like a petting zoo. Mm-hmm. Uh, we want to get an animal that has a purpose, a use for for our homestead and what we want to do in the future and learn at the same time. So you know we're not gonna go get an animal just because it's easy and and it's fun. We want to go get an animal that serves a purpose that that could actually help us progress as as a family. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for me, I mean, where I'm at because I'm in a lot less, uh, I have a lot less area. Uh, quail have become my uh, animal of choice. I just love the quail. That's become my favorite animal to have on the homestead. Yeah, I yeah. heard you talk yeah, about that on the that. last and uh, another podcast we just listened to, and it hasn't it it, it uh. It caught my attention. It had me interested in quail. We haven't really given that much thought. Is there a reason you prefer? Do you have chickens too? No, no, not not anymore. Uh, it, the space is the biggest reason, but I've just found them so super easy. And okay. you know, it's, a, it's a dual purpose bird. You get lots of eggs and lots of meat. Depend, I mean, you know, I just and they have so much, so quick in the incubator, and you just rotate them in and out so fast. And I mean, it's just a constant constant flow of meat, constant flow of eggs all the time. And it's just I just okay. find it to be a very uh, uh, efficient bird. <laughs> So now I may be showing my California colors here, but is it the same principle with the with the uh, chickens? Do you have some quail that are your egg laying quail and some that are going to be your meat birds? Or could, or nope, the, it's is all it? the same. Yeah, just you know, I keep a, I keep it and you know, raise them in cages. So you know, and they are so such a small bird, they don't take up a lot of space. And what we generally look at like a like a, a standard rabbit cage, like a thirty by thirty. Mm-hmm. Uh, or 36 by 36 inch cage. You put like um, four uh, hens to one rooster. That way, all the eggs are fertilized, and you always got a you know constant flow of fertile eggs. And uh, yeah, they lay about an egg a day, just like a chicken. Wow! Yeah. And I heard the eggs are delicious. Yeah, they're very very good. They're, they're small. I mean, it about, takes about three or four of them to equal a chicken egg, average chicken egg. But you get so many of them. I mean, you can raise so many of them in a small space. It's really nice. I like them. Great. We'll have to think uh-huh. about that for yeah, sure. Yeah, I was definitely thinking about it when I heard that podcast. Huh. So. Interesting. I enjoy them. I mean, it's become my favorite animal. And, and like I said, I, I love rabbits. Rabbits are really easy, too. And, 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 you know, for for the input and the output of meat you get, but, you know, and they're great. But for me, it's like 
the 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 quail are dual purpose. You get the eggs and the meat, which is nice. Yeah, that's real nice. So processing wise, do you is that something that you do or? Oh yeah, and it's so easy. I've never because I don't uh, I don't um, with a quail because they're so small. Um, I skin them. You know, you just basically. You know, you don't just pluck the feathers. You just basically can just wrap the skin right off of them. With your, you don't even need a knife to process a, a quail. It's so fast and easy. Wow. Okay, okay. that's now, it. Yep. Now we're interested. Interest peaked. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, literally, I can I can probably process a quail in less, than, yeah, definitely less than a minute. Probably around thirty seconds. Oh my goodness! <laughs> All right. It's really You're really easy. Get a lot of messages from us. Yeah. Yep, well, I, I think you didn't. I think you'd like raising them. I mean, if you like raising chickens, I mean, they're, it's a bird, you know, so it's, you can, they can be a little messy and whatnot. But yeah, for the space they take up, and I think uh, it's a good animal, especially even for for kids to get into because they're you know it's in cages and in an area where they can get to it real easy and stuff. And I find it real easy. But this ain't about what I'm doing. We're talking about what you're doing today. Let's talk about you guys. <laughs> Let, let's transition over to your garden. So we got the livestock. You, so was was gardening a big part of why you wanted to? start homesteading? So I don't think it was a big part of why we wanted to. I I really think that when we moved here, we had no idea what we wanted to do. We just knew yeah. we wanted to do something. Mm-hmm. And so then when we moved here, we looked around for that first month and just went, what are we doing? This is humongous. What can we do? It was a, it was always a part. It was in the back of our mind. Yes. And but so we that, didn't know what that no, meant. No, we had no idea. So for that first year. We didn't year, know how to start it, how to grow it, how to cut it, how nothing. to do it. So we, we bought a lot of books and we did a lot of reading. And, uh, from the reading, we were like, okay, we got to try this. And so the first, the first year we just used those three little things in the back. We did cucumbers then we did, what else did we do? We did a bunch of flowers and what were the other vegetables? Well, we, we, did the I mean, we got year. here. No, we got summer. here. We got here in June. So anything we yeah. had to do kind of just threw in the quick. ground and, and yeah. it was more of the, like, oh my gosh, we're here. We got to throw something in the ground. We've got to, we got to show that we're doing something. Yeah. And we did something. It was the rush mode. It was yeah. kind of, right. yeah. And then the second year, last summer, we, so we, we, we built out a little bit. Yeah. We built a garden outside, but it's pretty large. Um, and, and I dug, uh, beds straight into the ground and, we no one ever warned us about Nothing. Virginia clay. No, we didn't have our Virginia soil tested. Yeah. We didn't do mm-hmm. anything. The quail, it was the not the quail, the uh, guinea fowl principle again. We just kind of I dug into the ground. Into the ground. I, I read I read all of the gardening books. I'm like, okay, I'm going to dig a you know a, a foot deep. I'm going to turn the soil. I'm going to add uh, uh, amendment. We're going to we're going to add soil. compost. We're, we're going to get and, yeah, and, and it looked beautiful. I mean, absolutely, it was absolutely beautiful out there. Perfect and it looked growth. great. And then we we got our plants ready. We had seeds growing, and we dropped them in the ground. We got some starters. From we had starters. Yeah. We got grow lights. We had racks. We had mm-hmm. it all in the basement. We were we were ready to go. We we thought we were pros. We put those we put those little guys into the soil, and that clay hardened like you wouldn't believe. Yeah, and it was them all to death. Yep, we walked out. What I think it was the next the next two days. Yeah. I mean, there was a rain. I think we we planted them. We're like, this is perfect timing. The rain's coming. We'll get free water. We planted them. That's it, so it, Californian too. Yeah, free, free water. water. I know. We, yeah, we, have, we, have, we grew up. We grew up with droughts all the we time. We honestly don't know what what a well and septic actually means still, <laughs> but but a well is like it's free. It is free water. Um, yeah. So we we had this rain coming. It was like the timing was perfect. The weather was great. Everyone's planting. We dropped them in the ground, and and that clay just choked everything to death. Yeah. No mm. one talked to us about Virginia clay. We learned quickly that we, we needed. We read, raised we read article after article about Virginia clay. Yeah. And uh, 
so, so yeah, we built beds. Yeah, yeah. You're gonna be putting a lot more uh, manure and, and organic material down on on your garden yeah. this year, I'd imagine. Well, yeah. Oh, yeah. So what I did, I, we were trying to salvage last year, and so what I did was I I ran straight to to Lowe's. I bought a bunch of wood and I built raised beds. Uh, went to a local uh, uh, soil company and they delivered a big boatload of topsoil compost mix and I mm-hmm. wheeled about 150 wheelbarrows full out to the garden and dropped them into these beds and we got some planting in and and, and we actually did good. Grew, yeah we, we did good last some really year. good crops we had yeah. some great um, yeah we did we we survived we had, some great yeah. stuff. we had wonderful tomatoes and cucumbers we had bell more peppers. bell peppers than we could oh, ever bell do bell peppers go great out here yeah our herbs were off the hook they were so beautiful they're still they actually survived all winter yeah and, it's funny and came a couple back. our sage yeah. and our you know, still are out there amazing doing great. We had lettuce yeah. that grew fantastic. And, and, because, and, we, and the raised beds just, that made all the difference. It was so all the difference. We yeah. started growing or started growing. Sean built more raised beds for this year. So we've been expanding and doing more raised beds. And yeah. so we're already talking about um, more raised beds for next year along certain areas on um, the side of one of our barns that is partly uh, shade and, and, uh, part suns. We're thinking maybe we can do some hops over there. Hops and Um, berries. Yeah. yeah. We have some plans for next year, but there's only so many, uh, raised beds he can build, you know, after he finishes up work every day. (laughs) Right. Well, yeah. And and you said earlier, you kind of learned your lesson to kind of go slow and do a little bit at a time and don't overdo it each year. I mean, you're gonna be there a long time. So. Right. And we did a lot more, uh, varieties this year, of um, vegetables and herbs that we're really excited about. We're trying um, watermelon for the first time. Mm. We're doing some different peppers. We're um, Sean, one of your one of your podcasts. You were talking about canning, yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, that that's something that we have all. We, you know, Rachel went out and she's very interested in canning and 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 going through fall to winter with with stuff in the in the cellar, just making sure everything is stocked up really well. So you know that's something that. She's done a lot of research on as well. And I think that's important. It's just, you know, we going where we coming from where we grew up, it was you want vegetables, go to the store. And it's always there. Whatever you want. You want a pineapple in December, you're going to get it. You know, so and coming here going, no, we don't want to go to the store. We want to grow it ourselves. Oh, we can't grow that. So what do we do? Because in California, you can basically grow anything all year. Yeah. So it was it. That's Big true. transition yeah. here, learning, A, you can't grow a lot of things here um, unless you have a greenhouse, um, and even then, some things you can't, and right. um, B, there are seasons. <laughs> there yeah. were no seasons in California. Yeah. <laughs> welcome, welcome to a normal part of the world. Yeah. <laughs> so this has been a huge transition. Oh, my gosh, my flowers are going to die, and, you know, oh, not everything is alive all year. Like yeah. even this year we made a rookie mistake and we felt so dumb, but we planted our cucumbers in, you know, April, I think 13th and we got a hard frost last mm-hmm. night. Yeah. Both got this morning in a panic. We were both oh, in the kitchen goodness. and Sean looks at me and goes, look outside. And it was frosted. We both put on our coats over our pajamas, ran out and some of our, Cucumbers didn't make it, and we had to cover gunning uh, plastic to the the yeah, trying to cover them for the frost that's supposed to come tomorrow night. It wasn't on the ten day forecast, you know. It's just you live and learn, and it's an adjustment coming from a place where you could 
throw everything all year, basically. Oh, oh well, you know, and even then, it's still you just don't know. I mean, uh, I, right. I try I try to jump the you know gun two or three weeks ahead of time all the time, even where I live. And but this year, I kind of prepared for it. I bought some row cover, and I was ready. And I've had row cover on my garden outside. The things I do have planted outside, I've had row cover over the top of it, you know, all week just to because we had some frost and some. I mean, it actually got down to about twenty five degrees, so I, you know, it was pretty cold. Wow. But everything looks pretty Absolutely. good with the row cover on it. Good, good. Yeah, yeah we well. learned our lesson and. Um, we won't make the same mistake next year. (laughs) And that's the kind of the thing is it's hard to wait for an entire year to improve on your failures. Um, Mm -hmm. where, you know, maybe back in California, we were able to kind of course correct really, really quickly here. It's a, it's a definite, um, slower learning curve. Um, or I should say you learn quickly, but then to implement, it takes a little bit longer. You have to wait a whole nother year to really kind of go at it again. Yeah. Yeah. But it's good. It's good. We've learned most from the mistakes we've made, not from right. our sequences. <laughs> That's true. Well, I think uh, getting into, you know, preserving food will be you know, fun, you know, for you to learn and get into that, the canning, and maybe you want to get into yeah. some dehydrating and things like that. And, I, I, you know, when I first started doing all that kind of stuff, I really enjoyed it because, to me, growing a garden came kind of easy. You know, I grew up, we always had gardens and stuff, but when I started, like, preserving food and canning and doing all that stuff, it was like, yeah, I got all this food, now what am I going to do with it? And then I had to kind of right. figure that out. Yeah, yeah last year yeah. we ended up with I'm, thousands of cucumbers, and mm-hmm. I'm looking going we cannot eat all these and i'm going to get we real tried. sick of these real fast yeah, we pickled everything we, we pickled everything <laughs> you know <laughs> but yep. oh gosh by the end of you know i don't know what august i mean we, i'm like we i'm never using, eating another cucumber again we were using jars of pickles as decoration just because yeah <laughs> passing them pass them out as christmas presents and all kinds <laughs> of stuff. we gave them to the Actually, neighbors yep, you know yep. but this year i'm wanting to be more intentional especially we're growing uh, two different varieties of tomatoes and i want to be intentional about using those for a variety of different things so that we can really have them through the fall and the winter salsas mm-hmm. and spaghetti sauces. And yep. like you said, maybe dehydrated um, stuff. I just, I want to be intentional about using up every last bit so that we can use it for ourselves and then also give it away to people who need it. So, yeah, last year I started growing a lot more. Uh, I've just, for, you know, for a couple of years I was just, I, I always grew a little bit of squash, but I never really preserved a lot of it or anything. But I just started realizing how well it just stores without doing anything to it. So I started growing yeah. a lot of squash and just putting it up. And I've still got squash in there from last year that's still perfect. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe it. So do you have a root cellar on your property? Where do you, no. where do you put it? No, we have a basement and we have some, some shelves and some darker areas and stuff like that where we can store stuff where it's a little cooler and dark and just don't okay. worry about it. Things like onions and, 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 and squash and things. And they seem to do really, really well in that area. It's just dry and, you know, it just, it, they seem to hold up really good. So, you know, we just That's do great. that. But. Yeah, we're doing potatoes for the first time this year. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't know why we've been intimidated by them or we haven't tried them. But from what all of our friends say and people we talk to, they're like, oh, they're the easiest. It's great. So we're doing tons of onions and potatoes. And we're mm-hmm. excited about that because we eat boatloads of that yeah. all the time. The yeah. girls love them. So we're just doing a bunch of potatoes and onions and um, hoping those come up and beans, broccoli, and then all the different herbs and you know, trying a whole bunch of different stuff, seeing what takes and what we can learn from all of it. 
Yeah, yeah. I, you know, when I've done a lot of that. It seems like you just, uh, I'm trying to increase those uh, staple foods, the, st- the foods we eat the most of, you know, like, like you said, yeah. potatoes and onions and tomatoes. And now I'm getting to where, especially this, this little crisis we're kind of going through right now, it's kind of opened my eyes up to, you really want to put those things away that you're actually going to use. And, and right. I find, I found this year, I'm already thinking I'm not going to be experimenting quite as much as I have in previous years. Right. I really want to use up that space for the foods that, you know, we, that store well and then we eat a lot of. Yes, that's right. And, and, you know, Sean was saying when we were ordering seeds a while back, a couple of months back, you know, I would come to him with some fancy heirloom seed <laughs> variety that no one had ever heard of. And I thought, oh, this looks great. Let's try this. And he goes, we're not going to eat that. We need to plant. We have limited space, you know, or somewhat limited space. And he said, mm-hmm. if we need to plant the things that we're going to eat and we're going to use and we're going to be able to turn into something else, let's focus on that for this year. And then we can get fancy <laughs> in the upcoming years. <laughs> but let's just let's be practical, you know. Yeah, so that's sure. been our guide principle, really. <laughs> have you guys now have you guys went down the, the the path of planting like um berry bushes and fruit trees and things like that so we have two cherry trees out there mm-hmm. and i i have grand plans of an orchard mm-hmm. of just lots of different fruit trees i think it would be fantastic um berries we we've talked about and and we haven't done it yet, we haven't done it yet but i think um I'm going to build the boxes for the berries because it would just be fun. But we do have those those uh, wine raspberries, mm-hmm. wine berries yeah. in yeah. the forest. So we, you know, our, our neighbor over there lets us come onto his property as well. And so we, we can just, not like there was a barrier between the two properties, but we can walk across the, the forest to his area. And we, we last year we, we went two, two times picking and we came back with four or five uh, grocery bags full of berries. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Those freeze yeah. really well and make good jellies uh-huh. and things like that. Yeah. yeah and I the mean, girls it. just crush them and put them on ice cream and they love them. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's they're ridiculously sweet and, and really just, not a wrong way to eat them. Is there? <laughs> yeah, no. And he no. told us, he said, you know, anytime you want, come over, take as much as you want. Yeah. And, he's Cause he's not going to use them. Us to take them. And so we're planning on doing that again this year. So we probably plant some kind of different, variety than what yeah. he has for we're, no, sure. we're in no rush for berries because we can just go grab them over there sure. i want to i want to grow them because i want to learn uh mm-hmm. more about them and more more uh, varieties we'd like to, to have strawberries we need to we need yeah. to yeah. on that train yeah that's true yeah, strawberries are, I think they're fun or easy to, for me, I've, I've never had any trouble growing a lot of them, but I'll tell you what, it don't matter how many you grow, you never can grow enough, it seems like, because <laughs> kids love them, we all love them, it's like, there's always a shortage. you see one out there, someone's going to grab it, so it's like, <laughs> yeah. oh, wait till some grow. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, that sounds great. Yeah, sounds like you guys got some, some good plans there, obviously, you know, but you do have plans to maybe put in some fruit trees as well, other than your cherry trees? Yeah, I would love to get some apple trees out there. And we were talking about some uh, peach trees mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. Um, it's I think actually, for us, it's just actually, honestly a matter of budget. Like we're trying to be yeah. careful about not, yeah. you know, it would, in my dreams, we'd go and we'd buy, you know, six, seven, eight trees at once, plant them, you know, get, get them all set up, get them ready to go. But I think what, no one really tells you is when you come out here 
or anywhere and you're establishing a homestead, there's so many hidden costs that you just yeah. don't think about. It's yeah. not just buying the animals, but it's buying their feed and it's buying the different fencing. And then what goes wrong if the door doesn't work on, you know, on this chicken coop and then this animal needs shearing and this animal needs to be taken to the vet and um we need to buy the fencing for the garden and the wood and the staples you know it just all you know it adds up and it's hard to kind of make those you know and then what happens when like our ceiling started leaking in the house and um electricity goes out in one of the barns you know it's all that stuff where Mm -hmm. it's just um having to be um kind of wise with the funds and trying to decide what comes next, you know, is it the fun stuff or the stuff that needs to happen? You know, our last winter, Sean was out in, you know, five degree weather when our pipes burst in our tap. Yeah. The polar vortex happened last winter and the tack room outside in one of the barns, the pipes burst. And so he's out there shoveling water out of them and freezing cold, <laughs> yeah, well, everybody has this image of homesteading, like you're just you know oh, yeah. running through green pastures and yeah. you know petting your cow and everything's no. going great, holding the chicken. And the, the reality yeah. is, there's a lot of stuff breaking, and you're freezing to death. You can't feel your fingers in the wintertime. And yeah, exactly, exactly. It's and it's not the Instagram version of of what homesteading is. It's and that's not what we were looking for. We 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 were never sold sold ourselves on that, but we've seen it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so you yeah. get it going like, well, yeah, you know, everyone takes pictures of their beautiful eggs. And I'm like, well, that's when I go get eggs, they're covered in poop. They're mm-hmm. not, that's right. not what, like, you know, like, like this is, there's real eggs out there, guys. Yeah. <laughs> and and so, so when it comes to, to being realistic about homesteading, it's, it is, it is the take it slow. Um, things will grow as you go type of, of concept. And, you know, we, you will always have those hidden expenses like Rachel was talking about. Like we have a, a beautiful dog and raising a dog on a homestead is way different than raising a dog in the city. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it's completely different. You know, you have a dog in the city, you have everything's walled in because that's what you, that's how you bought your house. The dog will stay in the backyard because that's how you bought your house. They're going to be secured back there. Yeah. We have a dog here and it's got, it's fenced into a giant area but but she's persistent and she figured out a way to get out. So mm-hmm. I had to figure out a way to keep her in mm-hmm. because not because she's a mean dog, but it's because you don't want her running around and scaring people, you know, miles away and going, "Where's my dog?" And you get a message on on the the, uh, <laughs> the next door neighbor thing, yeah. <laughs> type of uh, thing going, "Hey, is there yeah. some loose dog out here frightening oh. my children?" Yeah, and you always got to think too. I mean, do you want the neighbor's dog running into your yard? You got chickens, and it's killing your. You know, you got to you know just be considerate about those things. Yeah. Yeah, I think that the the homesteading ideal. I just think there's so many beautiful parts about it, and it's so wonderful and life giving, truly, in so so many ways. And that's what I always want to encourage and convey to people is just it is so. Just it's so much larger than you think it can be. Um, but I also, in the same way, want to tell people it's also not um, easy. You know, it's it's um, it's a simpler life in some regards, but it's definitely not easy. And and it That's takes fun. work and persistence and creativity and forethought. But it's it's really truly wonderful. But it definitely it takes. Um, I don't know the word fortitude yeah. <laughs> and just, yeah. but it's not, and that's not what we, 
and, and, and when we were seeking this, we weren't seeking anything but the, the open spaces and the hard work mm-hmm. that came with it. That's what we actually wanted. We wanted yeah. our girls to grow up with an idea of this is how life is. This is what there, there are people that do this kind of work to get the stuff that you guys have enjoyed mm-hmm. your entire life. And way more than it. what we're doing. Way more than what we're doing. <laughs> yeah. But, but, but the work that they do on our small homestead here is so much more than they would have done at our home in California. And, and the lessons that they're learning, like, I mean, just, just to see them out there in boots and dirty and, uh, and doing stuff they the, don't want to do, changing like, the yeah. duck water in, yeah. in 14 degree weather. And, and they come inside and they don't complain. They did like, for a while. They, <laughs> That's yeah. Not they, 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 yeah. No, they, they, yeah, I was going to ask you that. I mean, I was going to ask you, I mean, you, one of the big reasons you say you, you kind of did this move is because you want your girls to experience this lifestyle. I mean, are, are they pretty accepting of it? Are they enjoying it? Are they learning a lot? I mean, would you say that's been accomplished in a lot of ways? I would say Definitely. they're they're doing it a whole lot more than I thought they would. I mean, <laughs> just they are phenomenal. Um, they're phenomenal kids, and kids are very resilient. We're learning a lot about that. You know, it, mm-hmm. the timing of when we moved, so so – when we moved our daughters, our for, oldest was going into sixth grade. She was, so she was 11. No, she was going into fifth, fifth grade. grade. So she was, she was 10. 10. Yeah. She, so it was yeah. 10, seven and, and three at that point. Yeah. 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 So, and, and, you know, we were at that, that breaking point of if you wait any longer, it's going to be a whole different story. Yeah. You get know, yeah. you have to you're transition. You're going to ruin a life. You're going to, you know, <laughs> all, this, all this. Yeah. So, I, and I didn't, I didn't want to be the dad that ruined a, a, a girl's life. <laughs> a teenager's life. Um, so, you know, we were at that. So we got them there. We got it. We got them here at the right time. And you know what? It's really paid off. I think these girls are going to grow up with such a well-rounded background. They're going to, they, they um, our oldest tonight was saying, I can't wait to go out and, and build some more raised beds for my flowers because I love watching the construction side of it and yeah. just learning how to do it. Like, yeah. that, that's just great stuff. Yeah. yeah, it is. Well, I raised three daughters as well, so I know exactly what all you guys are going through. So. Girls. So you understand why we locked ourselves in the very back room. And <laughs> yes. Well, mine yeah. are all grown up now. I have a couple of grandkids now, but I'll tell oh. you what. Yeah, those ages right there. Yeah, they're fun, but it, yeah, is it can fun. be loud and challenging. And yeah, I understand. It's all those things, but it is really, really, really good. And I, they have flourished here, and it is yes. not without its difficulties. There were times in the first couple months when we were here, you know, and we'd say, you need to go out and do this, you know, and we we're coming from California and we moved to Virginia in June in the humidity and the girls had never felt that before. And, you know, we're telling them, go outside. It's 90 degrees, go outside and change the chicken water and go do this and go do that. And they're miserable. Um, but they adapt real quick and yeah they they rise to the expectations they're they are doing great and it's been a good move for them are you homeschooling them as well yes so we we've homeschooled yeah we're going into this next fall will be our seventh year of homeschooling okay so you were homeschooling before okay yeah we homeschooled in california loved it and then we just continued on out here Great, great. Well, it sounds like you guys are doing a great job, and you got some. It sounds like you got a lot of great things going on your on your homestead. And and uh, what was the name of your homestead again? It's a farm. It's Arabella Farm. Arabella Farm. 
Arabella Farm, and that's y'all on Instagram. And you have a website too, don't you? No, we don't right now. We had a link to our podcast. We really got to get that started. We'll get that yeah, we'll get right started. now, we're just relying on Instagram to make connections, okay. work with people, but we might get one up and going here pretty soon. Add yeah. that to our to-do list. You've encouraged <laughs> us to, to <laughs> Well, yeah, I know you got some great stuff going on on Instagram. I enjoy looking at the pictures of, of what you guys are doing there, and it sounds like you just got big plans for a lot more things, and I'm encouraged to see where you go. And I think, may I tell you guys, well, this has been really inspiring for me, even just hearing about, you know, your move and, and the, you know, the kind of leap you guys took and all that you're doing and, uh, and, uh, and your principle that it just seemed to hit home for me. I'm going to really pay attention to that from now on with those uh, guineas. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think we got to roll with that. We got to like do it. something. With yeah, you should do something with that. You should take that further. <laughs> if you ever write a book, you're writing the forward for it. I think that's happening. Well, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, you guys are doing some great things. And I know everybody's, there's a lot of folks that are going to find this really inspiring because I would imagine there are a ton of people that are right on the edge. They're, they're like, you know, we want to do this. And then I think they see somebody like you guys who said, we're going to do this. And you did it really quick. You made the move. You, you just stepped out and, and you did it. And, uh, and I think that's really inspiring for a lot of people. Well, thank you. And we hope we can be an encouragement that if we can do it, anybody can do it. <laughs> well, <laughs> I think they can. I think they can. I think you guys have handled it really, really well. I mean, better than a lot of people even would. And, and as I say, anybody can't do it, but it sounds like the transition went really, really well for you guys. Thank yeah. you. Thank you for having us on. We really, yeah, appreciate, really appreciate it. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. And, and I'm, I'm going to be looking forward to hearing those future podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and thank you for what you do. I really appreciate yeah. it. Yeah. Well, Seriously. Oh, thank you. Well, I'll let you guys get back to that uh, busy farm, them three girls, and uh, and it was a pleasure having you on. That was a lot of fun. Thanks, uh, thanks, Sean and Rachel, for coming on the podcast. I think people are really uh, going to enjoy this episode and and be encouraged by what you had to say and by what you did. It takes a lot of courage to step out and do what you did and just kind of up and leave and and just change your entire life like that. And uh, I I'm fascinated by it i'm glad you did it i think uh, your family's going to benefit from it i know you think that as well or you wouldn't have done it but uh yeah just a just a great story of how you ended up where you're at there in virginia and what you're doing there so i think it'll be a great encouragement for a lot of folks who are on the fence about you know do i you know do i start a homestead and you know what the thing is you don't have to do it like sean and rachel did it um there's there's some there's easier transitions if you don't want to go full blast like that you know you can just start small you can do little things things right where you're at. Now they went big. They, they made a big change. They felt like that was necessary for them and I'm glad for them. Um, but most people probably aren't in a situation where they can do it like they did it and be encouraged though. Cause you know, you can, you can do quite a bit right where you're at and just start uh, doing something and it's, uh, you know, it'll be a big deal in the end. I mean, we all started somewhere and very few people uh, take the huge leap like uh, like Sean and Rachel did. But, you know, I think it's encouraging nonetheless. So thanks again for coming on the podcast, you two. And, uh, and to all the listeners, uh, happy homesteading and God bless. I hope you enjoyed this episode. To learn more or find more episodes, just head on over to HaroldThornBroad.com. Thanks for listening.